We live in a divided society, right down to our tastes in music. But if we stop hiding behind our tribal masks, is there hope for the future? Thank you for stopping by this science fiction podcast from Third Flatiron Publishing in Boulder, Colorado and Air, Scotland. Today we're presenting the short story, The New Mutants, by Angelique Fons. Angelique hails from Ontario, Canada. In addition to her writing, she's been an airline flight attendant, a radio producer in Australia, and now produces promo spots for global TV. This highly entertaining story first appeared in the anthology Gotta Wear Eclipse Glasses. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe to the podcast. And now, let's join the post-apocalyptic world of the new mutants. The New Mutants by Angelique Fons Who knew when the world remade itself it would be one big battle of the bands? Before the event, I avoided crowded concerts like the plague. But now crowds were at least one thing I didn't have to worry about anymore. In my previous life, I was a bookworm introvert. I avoided human interaction and abhorred violence. To survive in our musical new world, I learned to make connections with others and embrace the bloodthirsty bit of lizard brain that lurked in my prefrontal cortex. Evolve, or perhaps de-evolve, or die. I was enjoying the cool night with my best DJ, rocking out to discordant music which matched the dismal landscape around us. Burned out grass, a few trees in the throes of losing their last leaves, and a shanty town of plywood forts. A blanket with only a few holes provided a bit of warmth in the cool fall air. Our masks, which clearly labeled us as followers of the new mutants, sat on the ground beside us. They were neon green plastic scrounged from one of the dollar stores still standing in the city. We added small goat horns with superglue, and the result was weird and intimidating. To think I used to find ripped jeans a bold fashion choice. I cuddled into Jay and let the throb of the punk rock song roll over me. The New Mutants were a six-member band, four guys and two gals, all heavily pierced with shredded leather outfits and copious metal jewelry. Hey, lover boy, I murmured to the thin, muscular guy beside me, putting my lips close to his ear to be heard above the screeching guitars. Do you think we will have an attack-free night, or am I going to have to try out my new cudgel? He pulled his battle-scarred body up and moved away from the forty or so new mutant followers gathered on the grass. Shoving his dark hair out of the way, he cupped a hand over one ear and listened intently. Walking back, he plopped down beside me. Okay, Aggie, I think I can hear some twang and harmonica from the east. The cowboy bangers might have a go at us tonight. God, I hate country music. Might be exciting to take a few of those boot knockers down. I didn't know Jay before. I could imagine him as a nerd, probably president of the chess club. He has a wonderfully strategic mind. But instead of moving pawns and queens, he spends his time figuring out how to keep us alive. We are both in our late teens and should be worrying about what to wear to prom, not to how to survive the night. 
I picked up my brand new weapon, a piece of stocky wood with long fence nails protruding from it. At our last battle with Slang Slinger, a hip-hop band with around 50 members who wore bandanas over their faces instead of actual masks, my baseball bat had broken when I hit a particularly large fellow. He'd been coming after me with a rifle. Ammunition was almost impossible to find, so he was using it as a club. It was part of the Slang Slinger image to use actual guns as weapons, even if they couldn't fire them. When Jay saw that I was weaponless, he grabbed me, and we ran before my enormous adversary could get back up. Dodging blows and weaving through other fights, we hid in the back seat of a burned-out jeep on the edge of the battlefield. Listening to the cries and screams outside as Jay hunkered down on top of me, I closed my eyes and thought of my favorite memory, my last day before the world as we knew it ended. It was the week before the foul plague decimated the population. Frosh Week at George Brown College in Toronto was full of parties, and I was so excited about my first year in library sciences. The famous Canadian band Blue Rodeo was performing at Sugar Beach. Then my best and only friend, Rebecca, mentioned that a rare bird flu had killed a few people in Vancouver. We had no idea what was coming. They didn't shut down the airports in time. The virus killed within 24 hours. Within a week, almost everyone I knew was dead, including all my family members. It seemed only a few in their early 20s were immune. Rebecca and I were lucky to get out of the city before true madness hit. We took refuge in a cottage her parents owned on a lake a few hours north of the city. We managed by cutting firewood, hunting deer, and foraging for edible plants. But then one day, a few months later, Rebecca went out to gather fiddleheads and didn't return. I spent weeks scrounging the woods and looking for her body in the lake, but I couldn't find a single trace of her. I can't believe I used to read post-apocalyptic fiction for fun. Living the reality was worse than any nightmare. Too devastated to stay in her cottage alone, I hit the road and walked south towards the city. Two years later, I was hiding in a useless vehicle. Gas had run out long ago. A completely different person from that timid wallflower hoping to become a librarian. I never saw feral fighter in my tea leaves. After the fight died down and the last of the Slang Slinger members staggered back to their territory, we ventured out. Jay hunted around for materials to make me a new weapon. He had been an engineering intern at a nuclear power plant, and along with having a strategic brain, he could design and create things. I helped bandage up the injured. In retrospect, I wish I had enrolled in nursing schooling. Not much need for organizing literature and procuring audiovisual inventory in my new life. However, being able to mop up blood and stitch wounds was in high demand. Luckily, no one had been killed in that skirmish, but there were lots of wounded. Would we be as lucky tonight? I smiled as I heard my favorite song starting up, Alien Rage. It was always the last song of the New Mutants set. Our entire group shuffled off the grass and went over to our campfire to share cans of soup and spam from our last looting venture. It took several days to complete an expedition down to Toronto for supplies. The food was probably why Slang Slinger attacked. 
It was getting harder and harder to find anything left in the grocery stores and even residential homes. I used to have a soft body with a few rolls around my middle. Now I could count every rib with muscling lacing down my arms and legs. Murder and mayhem ruled in the cities. Joining a band as a follower was the best way to survive. At least there was a code of behavior and understanding between gangs. Skirmishes were supposed to be non-fatal and more about territory, food, and status. If the cowboy bangers were coming after us tonight, it wasn't because they needed dinner. They had well-protected grain stores after being smart and raiding farm silos instead of relying on urban stores and homes. Their masks were the most terrifying of all. They used the skin off slaughtered pigs and strung coyote fangs around their cowboy hats. If that band showed up, it was just because they enjoyed a good fight. Jay, did you hear that? I paused in my soup sipping. I thought I could hear the faint notes of multiple strumming banjos. Most of our group was gathered around the band members, gushing about how amazing the music was that night. Jay and I sat on the periphery. I wasn't really a fan of punk rock music, but could pretend to enjoy anything to survive. Classical music used to be more my style. Jay pushed his unruly black hair off his ears. Yep, the cowboy bangers are looking to mix it up again tonight. Originally, I had been a member of the Garden Gnomes, a folk music group who made their masks from flowers and tree sap. It was the first band gang who invited me in after I headed south from the cottage. That's where I met Jay. We immediately recognized the antisocial nerd tendencies in each other and formed a bond. I loved the music and learned to love Jay, but we quickly realized the pot-smoking pacifists were poor fighters. After each skirmish, we had less food and morale was dropping. When the new mutants attacked us, we grabbed two masks off felled members and followed them back to their camp. Then we begged to join. I had learned to be persuasive and convinced the lead band members that our battle skills would offset any food we consumed. And by then, both of us had learned to fight. Jay and I shared dark stories about those whom we killed in the days before we found bands to join. A different kind of foreplay. Over the crest of the hill, I could see the trademark cowboy hats and pitchforks heading toward us. The dueling banjo beat was getting closer. Our lookout, high up in a tree, noticed and banged a warning on the bass drum strung up in the branches. Our fellow new mutants scrambled, shoving on masks and grabbing weapons. Jay poked me and pointed in the other direction. Rapping and bouncing to their own beat, Slang Slingers was also on the way. The other teenagers started to stir, picking up masks and weapons. This is going to get bloody, I gasped. From the last remaining direction, I saw the worst gang of them all. The Neon Demons were a pure rock band and nasty fighters. They preferred knives and leering clown masks, and they had the highest injury ratio of them all. They actually took prisoners, even though that was supposed to be against the unspoken band war rules. Some members had guitars that they whacked and strummed as they marched. Remember, stay close to me, back to back, and let's stay near the edge so we can run if this gets too ugly, Jay screamed at me over the clashing sounds of the war marching music. I took deep breaths and went into a zone of almost meditation-like stillness. 
complete focus and awareness of my surrounding, adrenaline enlivening my limbs and sharpening my senses. In the next second, it started. Screams and punches as the four gangs converged. I dodged blows and swung my cudgel, feeling blood spray across my mask, and I could hear Jay grunting behind me as he wielded his nunchucks. In the mayhem, the only way to tell who belonged to what group were the hideous masks. If I saw plastic green, I held back my hits. Clowns, pigs, and bandanas I swung at aggressively. The smell of sweat, coppery blood, and dirty body stung my nostrils. This was by far the worst brawl I had been in. I felt a pitchfork graze my thigh, and Jay shoved me aside and whacked at the cowboy. Falling to the ground... I could see sneakers with holes, scuffed cowboy boots, and skinny, scabbed legs. I could hear grunts and profanity as I waited for a gun, pitchfork, or knife to land. A large boom shattered the air, and a huge white flash lit up the battleground. Everyone froze as the ground shook beneath us. Masks fell as we all turned and watched the sky lighting up to the west. I heard someone beside me ask, did a bomb hit? Someone else. That looks like a mushroom cloud. How close are we to the nuclear power plant? The voice was familiar. I turned and saw blonde hair and button nose. A clown mask dangled from one hand. Rebecca? Is that you? Disbelief, joy, and shock. Three emotions I hadn't felt for a while, much less simultaneously. Aggie, I never thought I would see you again. She wiped some blood off her face and engulfed me in a big hug. I was kidnapped and taken by the neon demons. I'm so sorry I couldn't get back to you. I sobbed into her hair. I'm so thankful you're alive. Around me, other gang members were also discovering lost friends as the glow from the explosion illuminated our unmasked faces. We only ever mingled with other bands with our masks on. There was no social interaction off the battlefield. Between hugs and handshaking, I could hear everyone wondering if it was the nuclear power plant and what that meant for us. Pretty unlikely it was a bomber. No planes had flown for years. Were our days numbered? Was radiation going to kill the rest of us? How long do you think we have, if that was the nuclear plant, I asked Jay, who had joined in the big embrace with Rebecca. He had heard many of my stories about Rebecca in the long hours we spent together and wiped tears away more than a few times. Our can-do reactors are far too stable. This explosion looks to me like a warship or a cargo ship carrying something flammable just went up on Lake Ontario. Jay's days as an intern at the power plant made him the only one who might have a useful opinion. He used to brag that Canada was years ahead with their clean energy plan and nuclear safety standards. I sure don't want to spend my last days fighting, I could hear a cowboy banger saying to a slang slinger next to us. I whispered to Jay and Rebecca, Let them think it's the nuclear reactor and these are our last days. It might mean peace between the bands. We turned and watched people dropping their masks in the dirt. Cowboy bangers hugged neon demons, and slang slingers shook hands with new mutants. Our lead singer hopped up on our makeshift stage and hollered out over the crowd, 
If this is truly the end, let's go out with the biggest concert of all times. The crowd of bloodied teenagers started a slow clap. This was something I never thought I'd see outside of a movie. A cowboy banger jumped up on the stage with her and started a cool riff with his banjo. Then a neon demon picked up a bass guitar and a throbbing harmony rang out over the grass. The lead singer of the Slang Slingers hopped up, chanting, It's the end of the world as we know it. The nuclear power plant just got lit. Let's throw down our weapons for peace and show Woodstock how we do it in the East. Hugging Rebecca and Jay, I swayed back and forth to the music. More people were jumping up on stage or just picking up an instrument and joining in where they stood. This was the best music I had heard in years, and Jay grinned from ear to ear and knocked his nunchucks together to the beat. By our new mutant campfire pit, I could see a huge flame roaring. Gang members danced over and threw their masks in the fire. I picked up our two green masks and Rebecca's clown face, walked over to the fire and tossed them in. Then I went back and sat down with my friends in the grass to enjoy the music. The End Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns, 